Hello and welcome back to the F24 podcast. My name is David. I go and sit with a creative either at my studio in North Acton or somewhere in the city to talk about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. This is the 50th episode. Yeah, 50 of these. I've done 50 of these in the last year. I've been building this archive on the culture coming out of our city and country. I've been getting stories from people's experiences, thoughts and adventures and what a journey we've been on, eh? I'll be eternally grateful for everyone's honesty and frankness about their experiences. The graffiti writer in me is fully geeked out on some of the insights we've been given. And the wanderer in me gets to know why and how they became them. I love it. So happy I made this project come to life. It's made me think about other things I've made happen over the years. And I've got to say I'm proud. Because, you know, at times, like all of us, I ain't got a clue what to do or when. Thinking about what's next, how to sort that. We get bogged down and before you know it, one problem becomes two. But a couple hours later, and believe me, it's what I do. I look back, I check my achievements, and they give me the strength to deal with the next issue. I've done lots, yes, but it's all about that first achievement. Whether it was sticking up for myself fighting, or getting some dope tags in the man I wore, or getting a good grade in school. These are all things to be built from. We've got to find the things we're proud of and use them. I've hit some milestones this year, my 39th one. Ones I thought were not possible or weren't going to happen, but I did it. And it's put a bit of pressure on the next year, my 40th, but as I say, I'm going to take a minute, I'm going to look back for a second, I'm going to see the math, and I'm going to step forward. And you know what? And it seems like this guy did just that. The achievements he's hit in his life are one of a rare occurrence. I've known him nearly 20 years, he's been a creative force ever since I met him. And he also mentioned my son in a couple of tracks he was on when he rapped, which, you know, just made him invincible to me. Another North Londoner, family member, actor, Ed Scrine. Ed and I, we chat every so often on the phone. Real great in-depth conversations that I truly look forward to and thoroughly enjoy. So getting this two hours face-to-face -face with my brother was amazing. It's been a minute. We get into loads of history about London and specifically about the influence of Camden, his unorthodox introduction to hip-hop and how that passion grew through school years and his choices over the rest of his education. We chat about the great impact of growing up in a multicultural city like this, meeting like-minded people, and how Ed put his hand to many creative projects but always stayed himself. He didn't say that, I did. I have some great memories of the times him and his crew spent at a shop in Brighton. Great times. He's achieved some amazing things with him and his family and the culture. And it's been amazing watching the come up. His music, energy on the mic, and now acting in major roles around the world. Big up, Ed. This is only some of his story. Enjoy. This is F24. And this is why I try to, I'm very careful of like the, the amount of press that I do and what press that I do. Um, and I pretty much, unless I'm promoting something specific and, um, and I'm working with like my, my team and that, I only want to do press with people that I know and people that are doing positive shit for the community, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and that's why I've loved your podcast so much because it kind of brings together all of the things that I care about, you know, which is like the arts, you know, and the, the art as therapy and art as release and, and you know, kind of the, the, the positive social impact that our art can have on our communities. And, um, and also like really interestingly, like the, the, the transitions that people have made, you know what I mean, from, mm -hmm. from like, the gods that we used to see yeah. on the wall or you used to paint with or that we or used to hear rap rapping or, or doing whatever, like, you know, they, they were gods, but everything changes, everything is transient. So we're in this interesting position where we're like, you know, or, or we're basically 20 years on from when we first met, probably 19 or something like that. Um, and 
you know, so it's, it's, it's like, you know, following on from what we said before, it's like 15, we change. Yeah, we change and allow, we change allow so for that much. shit. Allow for that you know? shit. But it's really interesting to hear people talk about those changes, mm. man. And I really, I've, I've really enjoyed your, your, your series. I'm glad you're enjoying it. The thing I've found most nuts is um, what, what's come to my attention is that we don't get to talk like this. Yeah. We don't have the time in our lives now to talk in any way like this. But let's have it right. Me and you talk like this. Oh, me and you talk like this constantly. Not all the time. Not me. all the time. But even if it's like in the last year, I, there, there has not been, there has not been like a month that's gone by that we haven't had a conversation and we don't speak for three minutes. Right, like, we speak for thirty minutes. Listen, we speak for what forty-five makes me laugh minutes. About ours is that <laughs> it's just it's hello, hello, and then it's in <laughs> straight in the deep end. Straight in. Yeah, yeah. That's what makes me laugh. But the point, and I, I just think. You know, getting a chance to sit there and, and talk and think about everything you've been through and all these transitions you've done in life, mm. it's, just, it's quite overwhelming because you don't get to do it all the time. Mm. But it does make you appreciate your trans, the things you transcended and mm. it, will, it helps that particular person, I feel. No, yeah, one's, I had, so. no, one's, had a positive, no one's had a negative experience from these conversations. But I think it, the main thing being is that all these listeners are hearing this shit and thinking, yes, wicked, okay, brilliant, I can then, I can. Yeah, and like... That's my aim. Everyone's been on these unorthodox journeys and everyone... Has well, everyone I've interviewed has been arrested. <laughs> everyone. And by <laughs> the way, this is the 50th interview. Is it really? Number 50. Oi, Which I'm proud to share with you. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think... Um, as soon as you say arrested, I just think of like... <laughs> <laughs> I got arrested for the art. I got arrested for, 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 well, the one I'm going to talk about is fly posting um, Underground Alliance posters. Sick, where? In Camden Lock. Yeah, of course, you're fucked. And we got shit walking across. Yeah, we were so big. Me, yeah. Moody, and Doobie. Yes. And we were just driving around in a little banger. And um, Moody's little banger. I can't remember whose banger it was. Probably Moody's little banger. That he wrapped around a, a post box <laughs> after that. Sorry to laugh. After a mad one. Um, and um, yeah, that was for the art, man. But yeah, I think, I think like what's interesting is like when, when, you, when you say like to look, looking back in hindsight and, you know, looking back how helpful it can be, you know, we're so caught up in the clutter of what's in our head, the day to day yeah. clutter and kind of internal monologue that in a month don't mean fuck all. Completely. But right now is like so loud. It's everything, yeah. That we don't necessarily see, see things um, in, in the context of, of time and we don't see journeys. And it's like, that's the sad thing about life is that we see it in each other. So I will Ooh. be like, I'm so proud of you. I love you. Look at Daz. I'll say to other people, look what he's done. Look what he's done. Look what she's done. Look what they're doing. But they won't feel it themselves necessarily yeah. because they are so caught up in the internal screaming. Well, and it's, it's the same for me. It's, well, Maggie said all that. And so I think, and what I think my podcast does is compartmentalize these parts of your life, mm -hmm. right? And I think if you can bring compartmentalization to your life, mm -hmm. it helps in those situations because, yes, we are now, I, there can't have been a time more hectic than now in history. There can't have been. There is too much everything mm. all the time now everything our brains mm. are running a million miles a minute mm. and it's literally hard to find a minute to sit down mm. and just fucking relax mm -hmm. but if you I mean look since 
buying this fucking boat, moving into a smaller studio, my son hitting 18, not to say my job's done, but just him stepping up to be an adult. Mm -hmm. All of this shit happening around the same time has really enabled me to take my foot off the fucking pedal and take a minute. Yes. And I've been very lucky to be able to sit back and take that relaxation. I don't think I'd feel the same or would have got to the same place had I been renting for the last three years. Like you know I, I, mean? I feel like if we were able to do that at every stage in life, mm. we, would have, we, we, we would progress so, so well, efficiently. So before we get into this, the, I think another thing, this is a, my podcast is obviously influenced by therapy and I, I went through therapy for 18 months mm -hmm. and then I did another few weeks after that. But, and then Bex, my partner, love of my life, she's become a therapist. And um, I fully get, <clears throat> uh, therapy to me is the best thing that we can offered. And I, I love cannabis, so to say that is quite a mad thing, but I, I understand the power and how much better therapy is than cannabis. Mm. And uh, if you can get an hour a week, an hour a month, an hour every two months to just go and fucking dump everything mm. that's happened, just let it out, mm. you feel so much better. Because airing and being honest mm. is, the fact we don't get to do that is why we walk around shoulders slumped, stressed. Mm -hmm. Just air the fucking issue. And if you, a therapist is the best person to do that with. And I think that's what some of this podcast is as well, is that you say things that, you know, and you're like, oh, right, yeah, click. And you may not even, you don't make it obvious to me, but I think to the artists themselves, people I'm talking to themselves see a connection and mm. it might answer something for them a few days down the line. Like, I think it's just like to, to make sense of it, you know, even not to necessarily make peace with things. No, yeah, yeah. But just to understand, oh, wow, that's why I... You know, I look, I look back in hindsight and, you know, therapy, you'll be talking about, you know, probably negative things and, and, and you, then you can understand why they happened. Mm. With your career, you could look at negative things and understand why they happened and positive things, how they happened. And that just means that going forwards, we're like, okay, this is happening. Like, yeah. I can either f I feel something chemical going on and we just become more empowered. It don't mean we ain't going to keep... That we're not... Train autopilot trained to make the same mistakes over and over again, but it means we can check ourselves. Yeah, check yourself and also and yeah, become more efficient in don't our creative. Kill yourself for making a mistake. Mm. Just air it, mm. move it on. Mm. Well, well, that was a brilliant start. I love that. Um, let's start at the beginning with you, though, man. Like, what part of town are you from? From North London, bro. Yes. Yeah, man. North London family. North, N-O-R-F. Isn't it? Proper. <laughs> Haringey. Haringey. That's how it was spelt back then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> how was that part of town? Yeah, man. Back in the day. It was, it was a, when I look back with hindsight, I wish every kid could have grown up how I grew up. Right. Yeah? Because... As I travel the world and I see all these like ama admittedly kind of amazing or interesting places, um, I see how balanced and diverse my childhood was, and I think, wow, like all of these amazing places, yeah. they just ain't like that. Is that is that London and parenting? Yeah, for yeah. sure. But London's got a big deal to do with it. London's got a huge part of it, man. <clears throat> for sure, like, you know, we grew up... We all grew up proper multicultural, so, you know... Mm. Doesn't matter what your as parents well as you're my, into. Yeah, my, I have my brilliant parents and five um, kids in the family. There's five of One you? One of five, yeah, mate, we're a whole clan. God, Ed, you know what? I, I thought there was three of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Damn. Yeah, we're all like the wood, popping out the woodwork. And um, so, so you know, I, 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 and I was, you know, raised as a, as a, a, a raised in this, this positive household, Brilliant. atheist household. But then like my best mate Ahmed, I'd go to his house and it would be, um, they'd speak Arabic all the time, you know, they'd do Ramadan every year and, you know, I'd eat with them for Eid and stuff. And um, then I'd go to my other friend's house, he's Greek Cypriot, you know, and we would, they're Greek Orthodox. And, and this is just kids, young age, going around to each other's houses. Yeah, yeah. but this is, but these are the parents, the other yeah, people yeah, that yeah. raised me, yeah. you know. Yeah, basically. They considered me like their own and I considered them like my own. Yeah. And just loving people, mm. yeah. So, and it, you know, so in, in one house is Arabic, the other one they're speaking Greek. Then I go to my friend Headley's house, you know, his mum is, is um, uh, Christian, Jamaican, or, you know, first or second generation, she's proper London. Yeah. And then, you know, my Mauritian friend, Diran, who, 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 his parents, I think they were Christian, I'm not sure. But either way, yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't matter. Cultural, everything. You know, it was, it was amazing, the, 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 and it was really normal, and really, bro, it was just love. I mean, it's, you know, when you say it's normal, it is very similar um, type of beginning, but you're right, I suppose what you've seen since really makes you think, oh, fuck, it isn't normal. Mm, that's what I mean. Through yeah. travelling and through seeing about, I'm like, wow. And even yeah. just stepping slightly out of the manor, yeah. and even if like, I go sometimes, I like going to Canberra Sands and places yeah. like that, beautiful. And you look around, you think, oh, the demographic's different here, isn't it? They say, yeah. like, back home, and like, I love Newcastle, Liverpool, and Lake District, and all yeah. that, you're like, Huh. Different. Yeah, this is different. So I love that, man. Like, I really love that and I value that and I'm still, How still my own boys. School. School what is all like right, man. What were you like there? Were you good with it? Yeah, just average student. Just got through it. Average student. Didn't dislike it, but didn't love it. Nah, average just C's across the board. Mostly about friends then. Couple D's, couple B's. Um... Good friends there? Yeah, didn't really excel in nothing. Didn't get into art or anything in primary school. Um, nah, yeah, it was just about my friends, man, mm. really. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's funny, at that, at that age, you just kind of feel like you're on a train that's just moving already, where like you're expected to go to school, then you're gonna go to secondary school, and you don't really know. Like, I suppose eventually you had this 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 um, abstract concept of like getting married or something, but you don't. F I don't think about that. I was just on the train, and just um, either whatless or present. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure which one, which is probably how I am now, or flirt between the two. Yeah. yeah what is it, man? What did you say? What did you finish then with C's and D's and your GCSEs? Yeah. Well, what about aspiration. Everything. I got all. I got all um, C's. Except I got A star in art. Oh right, so by secondary you yeah. were so by year ten, yeah, in all year nine effort. maybe, I found like my first real mentor. In fact, I should touch on my my, my year six primary school teacher because he was a huge influence of, on me. Yeah, um, is this after you realised after the fact? And, well, no, we loved him at the time. Okay, we but could. in hindsight, you realise what impact he had because yeah. he's the person who introduced me to hip hop. Okay, yeah, in what way? He gave me. Um, Cassette tapes, me and my brother, he gave us like Funk Stop Dubious, um, Naughty by Nature, Doggy <sighs> Style. 
So, you know, we're year six. Yeah. Nowadays, you probably get called a fucking pedo yeah, yeah, and get sacked for that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's because of the, the lyrics. Yeah. But what he did is he opened our eyes to this art from across the world, the other side of the world, and we loved it. Made your world bigger. It made my world bigger. Me yeah. and my brother loved it. It changed everything for us. And, you know, when I think and look at what impact hip-hop's had on my life, you know, there isn't a subculture, there isn't a, a genre, a sport or anything that's influenced my life as much as yeah, hip-hop. Not even a fucking education. You know? it was, yeah, it's nah. music. So for Mr. Jones to, to introduce that to me, that was special. And he was amazing, man. Like, I always try and find Mr. Jones, but... but it's very difficult to Google Mr. Jones. Yeah, <laughs> and the year as well. Yeah. yeah, but he was like, he wore a leather jacket, smoked rollies, had like um, brown teeth, and yeah. he had an old banger. I lived in Tottenham, and the, the car would go boom, like <laughs> Ramsey Nesbitt yeah. when he'd drive off. But we just loved him because, again, it was love, Yeah, you know? And so when we're in this... You know, when we're in this age where otherness is such a terrible thing and where there's this anti-Islam, Islamic um, sentiment, and I'm talking about how this normal, wonderful loving mm. that I got from Ahmed's mum, and then when we're talking in the same breath about the fact that Mr. Jones would have, could have been called a fucking paedophile mm. or on the front page of the Daily Mail or, or The Sun or one of mm. these fucking publications, yeah? yeah? Named and shamed. Named and shamed, when actually, Again, simple man. This geezer was just mm. pure love. Mm. You know, they say they don't. You don't remember what people say, but how they made you feel. Yeah, yeah. these people made my heart swell. Yeah, my heart is well, twice they, the size because of them. Uh, you know what? They probably didn't even need to say much. It was just their doing is is what helped you later on in life. It's like, yeah, I know this. I know how to do this. I know how to love. I know how to expand. I know how to help because of the way these people were, who weren't even your family, mm -hmm. outside of your family, was, they taught you that shit, do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And they're coming from a Muslim background, coming from an education background, mm. smoking fucking fags, and you know, you'd think, yeah, you're right, they could be pointed at now. Mm, they look alternative, and that's why now I'm not afraid to look it, to alternative it, sources for inspiration so, and love. It's so crazy, because when we were growing up, right, we would talk about racism, and I know we grew up white, I'm half Egyptian, but we grew up white in this country, mm. but we looked at racism as something that happened to people older than us previously. Mm. It's nuts, because I didn't see, I mean, I, I do remember some racial fights when I was younger, uh, some white guys, some white dads in the estate, but it wasn't, uh, not to say, well, so I wasn't black, so I didn't notice it fully, but the point mm. being is that we talk about it now mm. as a definite. Mm. And I just think, how the fuck have we gone backwards? I don't think we've gone backwards, Daz. I actually think that we have, that we have gained a more real understanding of what racism is. Yeah. And that we used I to agree. have a simplistic idea. And literally only three years ago, yeah. I would have said to you, no man, we grew up with no racism. Yeah. And now I realize what an ignorant statement that is. Yeah. And through writers like Rennie Edu Lodge and, and Nikesh uh, Shukla, these wonderful British writers, or BAME writers as they call them now, um, British, um, writers of colour, um, we, uh, 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 we, um, we're learning about ourselves yeah. and we can check some of our ignorances. And it's like the moment you think you're enlightened, the moment you think you know it all, you don't know nothing. And, you know, yeah, we used to, to think we knew 
the situation. Yeah. I suppose there's probably some ego involved thinking like our city's better than yours. Yeah. Look at us, we're multi. We're, we're well, multi. also the culture we chose to be in as well. We didn't see any racism within that because mm-hmm. it was the culture. Mm. And so, yeah, I spoke, no, you're right, you're right. And Charlemagne, the God, actually, the American mm-hmm. radio host guy, he, he says... Um, He's glad it's come out. He said it's, it's always been there. It's just the, the veil's just been taken off it. Yeah, and I think I think like back to my teenage years in my twenties and that, and I think like in hindsight about the experience I was having and the experience my friends of colour were having, mm. and it was different. Like we used to know that like when we went to the airport, mm. uh, Pavan from Foreign Beggars, mm. he had an Indian passport. Um, we used to know we had to wait for an, an hour for him. We just knew. Standard. Yeah, standard, innit? We go through with our British passports and we just wait there. But not just because of the queues, because they're going to give him shit. Mm. Um, and, like, you know, uh, even just, like, just, just things that we could get away with, yeah. I think, as well. You know, so I think this is the interesting thing that we're seeing. We're, so I, I, I really don't think we've gone back. I, I do think we've got a long way to go. Right, yeah. I like that, though. I, you don't think we've gone back which is positive and we've got a long way to go which again is positive that means we've got more to look forward to because mm. we can change it mm. um, back to the hip hop mm. so by secondary school mm. you knew you loved this culture you knew you were like this is the sound yeah my sister bought me um, Farside Lab Cab in California oh, yes. and Gangstar an Hard to Earn yes banging um, and because she knew you liked the music and she yeah, I think she'd heard me listening to the tapes or whatever, and she really kind of like, you know, she's my older sister, uh, who you met earlier yeah. on. And, and so, you know, she's kind of showing me the way. And like, that was another thing, like Mr. Jones, that really like shaped and changed my life. You know, those albums are still seminal albums for me. And, you know, when I started spitting, I was just copying Guru lyrics. Right. Yeah, so like, really. So it, by listening to these albums, it made you want to rap? Not, not initially, no. Initially, it just made me enjoy not be able to intellectualize and understand why, but know that my whole being and everything inside of me was, um, was just fucking moved by this art, you know, and, and, and enhanced by this art, and it made my fucking soul dance. Like, it made me... I don't know, man. It, it felt like it gave me kind of identity that, and, and, and I just felt like I had a home. Like, I, I just literally was like, yeah. this is my home, man. Yeah, I'm in. Mm, is which is weird that, like, we have these kind of, you know, we all know we have tastes, but, like, it's, it's, it's amazing how, like, things can reach out to you like that. Mm. You know, it's amazing how art can speak to, to a person, yeah. actually, rather. I suppose that's what it is. So, yeah. And then I started to collect um, CDs, as it was at the time, and cassettes. Um, and then it was about vinyl. Mm. And I started um, DJing. So that um, was the f- DJing was the first, like, so I yeah, was ask, what was spinning. the first thing to do mm-hmm. in the culture? Spinning, spinning. Spinning, Yeah, for okay. sure, for sure. Um, Had you seen people mixing and that? Well, I just knew, like, Funkmaster Flex and Cypher Sounds and Big Dog Pitbulls and all that. So I used to love Tim Westwood's show. Mm -hmm. So, like, at the time, it was a thing that, like, I just wanted to be able to... I still want to be able to cut, like, Funk Flex. (laughs) I've got my turntables in there, and I say, like, when I get them back out, 
I'm going to get no names who will ask skeptic to give me lessons. <laughs> I'm going to pay them and I'm going to learn to cut like flex. I'm going to say, I don't want to cut like anyone else. I want to cut, cut like flex. flex. <laughs> like how Funk Flex used to cut when he was fat. Because <laughs> he was so good. And, um, and so I used to just like DJ all about when we was like 15, something like that, and, and go 16, you know, hit the clubs. Enigma in Moswell Hill, we used to have yes. some mad nights. And like, most, at the time it was two-step garage time, innit? Ga uh, jungle was coming to a sort of smooth um, transition into garage. And um, so I would go, but they would often have an R&B room, a hip-hop yeah. room, if you remember, where they play, you know, whoever, Ja Rule and, you know, <laughs> all of that at the time. Shanty. So I would play my thought that shit I, I didn't give a fuck and like so I used to DJ for if you remember the under 18 raves Bigger Fish yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger so they used fish. to be in Camden yeah so I used to move with them a bit from some of the um, community courses that I used to do that kind of led to me learning to rap where were you getting your vinyl from? Uh, I was going to um, Deal Real but yeah. the old shop yeah the old one um, I remember they had the the, the signed moment of truth in the window and I was just like what? Ah. That means that they've touched it? Yeah, they've been like there. these gods? Yeah. And then I remember going in there and it was Sarah Love was working there Wicked. and her cousin Tarbo used to go to my school. Yeah? Yeah. So we was like yeah I remember going in there and, and, and meeting her and seeing everyone and just being like in awe slightly intimidated by it um, you know that imposter syndrome you feel when you yeah. see these subcultures and stuff but also I was like stars, yeah. this is amazing and then like selective disc you know um, and um, yeah man four star general buying yeah, our shit George. from there MSN MSN yeah man Chris, Chris and, and Dez Chris and Dez yes yes OGs. yes proper OGs man like so that was that was copying from all those spots yeah, they were, they were beautiful places, man. I think if I ever go and do like ayahuasca and all that, I'll see some of them places yeah, with yeah. Mr. Jones and, yeah, it's true. you know, all, come flying back. all these other people. Like, these are very important places in my life. Um, Chris and Dez at MSM and George at Four Star, very important mm -hmm. to me, very important people, man. Mm -hmm. Chris and Dez taught me so much and didn't know me from Adam. Yeah, they again, like just giving positive loveliest. people, man. Yeah. And we're talking about the time when we were in our most, in our t stage of like warped masculinity. Oh yeah, completely. On. Yeah. So the, and they were older. Yeah. You know, and they were good to us, man. I tell you what, that's the thing though. What I think culture does, and what definitely what hip hop does, is that you learn respect. Mm -hmm. So just outside of it, just outside of hip hop and outside of graffiti, that's where I was a dickhead. Mm. That's where I was talking about. I'd take the piss. I'd be rude. I'd step the line. I'd. Mm. But within the culture. No, 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 no dickhead move. I know my position, mm. and it, that's what taught me. It, that, I knew my position, you know what I mean? You see these people like Sarah Love or whoever it might be, Chris and there's these elders, and you're mm. like, respect's got to be given, they're going to give me knowledge, I know my place. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you pull back the arrogant swagger a bit with people like that, mm -hmm. which I think is a brilliant thing apart to be part of culture for. I suppose they also just, like, taught us by example. Yeah. As well as yeah, they, good point. people would kick game to us, but they were just respectful, positive, kind people. Yeah. You know, I've met other In people on the way, like Charlie Dark and that, mm -hmm. who's outside of that community. And, you know, so many people inside the arts where I'm just like, wow, man, yeah. you're, you're a really giving, positive, special person. And the way you make me feel, I would like to make other yeah. people feel like that. Yeah. 
you don't need to make me feel like this and you did and also you did it in two minutes and I, and I want to I want to do that shit yeah I want to be I want to make people uh, feel that's that that's how man. I want to be yeah I want to be like that <clears throat> so the, you know and it kind of removes from this like oh, I just want to be cool like you you look cool mm. I want to be muscly I want to be mm. rich mm. I want to make people feel I want to be Chris how Charlie and Des. makes me feel I want to be Chris and Des you know yeah definitely mm. I want to be Prince from Triple Five Soul mm. I want Triple to... Five Soul do you remember that and of course in Camden Road Station of course I love that place where I met Skinny of course you you fall in love you start DJing wherever you can mm. So at the same time as that, I've met my first real mentor or amazing teacher. Mm. The first, like, Mr. Jones was important to me culturally, yeah, but not doors. academically. No. Yeah? So I had a teacher called Miss Snowsill, mm. right, at Fortismere, which is the school I went to. And she was just amazing, man. She was so... Um, what teacher was she? What was she teaching? My art teacher. Art man. teacher. So I didn't think... I, I always liked drawing and doodling and sketching and stuff. But I never thought I was good at it until I joined her class. Mm -hmm. and she just... She made me feel 10 foot tall. You know, it's the same kind of feeling that people like Robert Rodriguez give me now yeah. when I work with them. And, you know, you just feel this... Again, this kindness, this love, and this, like, womb to grow in and so she, she bruv, I was in year 10 going into painting lunchtime I was going after school you were on it she got you on it I was on it and in my other classes I weren't even concentrating so you, I didn't you... have a, a pencil case in my bag <laughs> right I used to have my CD Walkman of course yeah <laughs> bare CDs right <laughs> and, my, and like bare um, uh, like 6B pencils, oil bars, things I just pick up off the floor, crayons, <laughs> yeah. all this. I just have that stuff. Stuff you can't write in a history class with. Right. But, um, so she, she really... Pushed that in you? I don't even know push. Like she unlocked something in, in me that made me push it in myself. That's, you know? That is some dope teaching. You know, I think it's sometimes just as simple as fucking praise, man. Sometimes people just need to... Seriously, a bit man. Of praise in their life, man. Yeah, well, praise and giving love. What that does for a human being. Attention, time. Attention, time. All of that. What that does for a human being and how it helps them evolve is unquestionably the best thing. Mm. Like, and so, yeah, when you get a good teacher like that who can... Mm. And she was amazing. Like, and I stayed with her through all of GCSE. Brilliant. And... Um, Got more into hip-hop progressively as it went along. I remember mm -hmm. in year 11 or saying something saying, pull up your trousers, Ed. You know, <laughs> you, your trousers went like that in year nine. Um, and I genuinely remember that was one of the first times I remember thinking, huh, that's a surprise and that's interesting and that is true. I'm so making... what has changed? Like something, I am changing. Yeah. Oh, check yourself, make sure you don't change so Miss Snowsill don't not like you or so, you know, yeah. I don't know. I remember that being a moment. But you know what else that. as well, though? It's quite a nice, I presume, and I'm wondering whether it's a nice feeling because you're now also, you've been called out for being part of, mm. which is like, oh, I'm in. Mm. Sick. Yeah, my trousers are low. Yeah, I hear you, but I actually knew I was in, bruv. I was yeah, in. Good. Like, I was in. I was in it by myself, in it like all like you no, know, we all are it's at a that cliche. Point. Yeah. It's a cliche of, of people, and it's pretty much everyone on your podcast, we're all the same generation. Mm. So all of us was one of the only three hip hoppers in our year. Yeah, it's true. All of us were. Yeah. yeah. So it was that. I was deep yeah. into it, and that 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 hip hop 
subculture had um, infused ev everything in my life, man. When did you meet other hip hop heads? So I, I went to school with a guy called Chesney, um, Chesney Matrin, and um, Raymond, who's an amazing artist, I'll show you on um, Instagram called Reeg, R-E-E-G. Okay. And actually me and Raymond recorded, the first tune I ever recorded was with Raymond. Yeah. And it was called Dougist type movements. <laughs> and Dougist was like this word that we'd created because we'd heard Twilight of the Gods. And Rodney P comes in and goes, I'm a Dougish, rhythm killer yeah. styles. And so, but we was like Dougish. Like we was like, we're kind of Dougish, all these different things that we'd got like thrown in. And so we, we recorded these tunes at my mate Lass's house. I think that was in year 10. So what, you, you started writing lyrics by then? Yeah, so um, it started with like me and my pal Sam. Um, we used to link up on a Friday and a Saturday and, 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 um, and chill, do what teenagers have a little do. blaze or whatever and, and listen to like Westwood or listen to, just listen to like yeah. Outcast or whatever. And we started to rap along to the lyrics and we just like do it for fun. Yeah. You know, just rap all Guru's lyrics, rap yeah. the Redman lyrics from Muddy Waters. Thank and you. so it kind of started happening like that. And I remember when I DJ'd at, what was that amazing bar in Camden on the lock upstairs? It's called H Bar or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I remember Miss Dynamite used to host a weekly thing there, but anyway, I was DJing in there yeah. and I, I would come out and rap, but just rap. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was other people's lyrics or like my first like Dougie's type movement <laughs> lyrics or whatever. First above. And, um, and so, so I would, I would come out, yeah, and rap, rap in front of the thing, and then go back. And then, basically, the first real experience I had of like rapping and the creative process of that was like the Roundhouse. Yeah, yeah. The Roundhouse. Camden used to, yeah, in Camden Chalk Farm. I painted that in '98. Is it really yeah. legally uh, or illegally? Illegally outside it. Yeah, good man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, now you're painting these places now legally. Painting, yeah, it's a beautiful properly. thing. Doing it the right way around. Um, and so they used to run these courses for young people in the area. Yeah. And Chasney was the one who, you know, showed me it. And basically, um, they would run like hip hop, singing, wow. rapping, uh, DJing, dancing, anything. People that played instruments. And so we went along. Um, and we spent a week workshopping. Yeah. Amazing creative experience. Right, Meeting such like, fun people, young people from all around, all, all meeting in Camden, all the surrounding boroughs. Yeah, amazing. Um, and then at the end of the week, we performed in a roundhouse. Wow. This is just wow. before the roundhouse got renovated. This is old How roundhouse. It is now. Yeah, yeah, old yeah. roundhouse. But it was, yeah, so I think it, it would have been like, 99 yeah I think yeah Something yeah like it must that. have been because it was yeah it was still open when I painted it and it went yeah it only opened again in like mid 2000s maybe yeah, exactly. late yeah yeah so it must have been the end of that yeah so like I really remember like feeling really nervous like before going on stage I remember being really excited I still remember the Fat Farm t-shirt I was wearing Sick. that day um and it was like a really big moment it felt right and it felt special and I felt like I was becoming a part of something and I really felt like you know that independence that young people feel when they step yeah. out of their bird's nest and they see this big mad world and, yeah. and, 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 and they find love in it 
You know what as well, man? What a fucking... I was just thinking all of that and being in Camden as mm. well. Like, being from North London, mm. like, Camden is the hotspot. Mm. And obviously, it's, it's a cultural mix in Camden. But it had, it had Camden Pitch, where I first found legal graffiti. Um, it had, obviously, Chris and Des. It had George. It had all the punk rockers. It had the Roundhouse. Like, and this was all on one street. Do you know what I mean? All on Chalk Farm High Road. There was all this... It, <clears throat> whatever culture you're from, mm. you could get to Chalk whatever Farm High culture. Road, walk into the stables, pick up on anything. Mm. What an amazing place. And going through that, that mm. you saying all that in that week, I'm just like, wow, what a fucking week, man. Mm. Like, coming down from Harringay, popping into Camden, mm. and like, getting to do that at the end of the week must have been amazing. I was special. Such a beautiful it's place. Formative, Camden, formative times, a really empowering times for a, a forming young man. Um, and positive what? as well. I might add that. Uh, let's actually look at the reality of the context of this. This is young people going at a choice, yeah, essentially to education, yeah, in the one week they had off school. Mate, this is the oh, fuck again. Power of culture, man. Like the power of culture, but also the power of community. Yeah, and, yeah? and how important it is to put on these community-led, much needed, led um, organisations and how and how, yeah, initiatives and what an impact they can have and just spending time with, like, the elders that were running it, we're all just, like, 30-year-old ex-musicians or whatever. Yeah. heads. Heads. And, you know, we really respected them and looked up to them and they taught us a lot. And so we would do a lot of them courses. And then I went to the uh, Tribal Tree Studios. They had another course on that was on there. Where was that? And I remember my mum at the time being like, really impressed, like, wow, you off your own back, Brilliant. you're finding these courses and just going off and staying out of trouble. Yeah. You know? I like the sound of that. Yeah. yeah she was, she was definitely happy with that. And um, so uh, Tribal Tree was opposite, it was in Chalk Farm, obviously. As well, <laughs> yeah. And, um, oh, I think I know it. Just I behind think... Nando's and yes, all that. Yes. Yeah. Garage, it's just behind that. And that was where the first proper studio that, that we were in, and that's where I met Plan B, Ben. So it became like, you know, one of the biggest influences on my best friend and brother and... Amazing artist. You know, yeah, an amazing friend. Were you, um, around that time then, are you thinking, right, this is it, I'm, I'm doing music. Ed's going to grow up and do music. No, again, I was present and whatless in equal proportion and wasn't really thinking too far. So up to lunchtime you were doing music. It may not be the same at dinner that night. You might have a plan to go studio tomorrow, but... I mean, nah, you're in I mean, it, you're I living it. Yeah, I was. But, but you're, not, you're not thinking in five years. No, nah, I'm not thinking in five years, yeah. but I am thinking right now I do music, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what you do. But I'm just, I was, I could feel that that positive chemicals bubbling. It was inside. all there and you were addicted to it, you loved mm. it. Um, so was Plan B the first, like, professional rapper you met or did you met Underlight He wasn't by a rapper, then? he was a singer. Oh, yeah. Had you met Underlight by then? I kind of taught him how to rap. We did that together. Shut up. Um, I yeah, that Strict and Max album is one of me. my favourites. It's amazing. It's what a fucking amazing piece of work. No, my bro is a is a outlier, is a leader. It, is that's a, the word. Is such a such an amazing, talented artist, but also just a a, a great friend, man. Over the years, he's been like my number one uh, confidant. That's lovely to hear. Mm. And we still just you know when we're at our lowest we just phone each other up to have a fucking 
moaning and sobbing or whatever. I'm glad you got And we need that. Everyone needs Everyone that. Everyone needs and me, that. And, and I'm, I'm, me and Ben are lucky we, we got each other in that regard. Um, so what, you met Ben before Underlie? Yeah. Wow. Right, no, so I didn't know this, Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. You met Ben in the studio, yeah, so Tribal. Then I remember, so by this time, this was like GCSE times. Yeah. And like Ben, and like I must have hosted one radio show at like, was it called Rack Radio or something like that? I don't in know. Chalk Farm? Whack? Whack? They used oh, to call it Whack. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. W A K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought it was a shit name. Whack. Awful. But um, yeah, so I was hosting some show for Tribal Tree and then Ben came on and we were just cracking chat. I was just taking the piss out of all of them. I was cussing his DJ. And um, after that, we just clicked. And. Um, so we started rolling together and then in year 11, someone got in contact who I'd known when I was fucking 10 years old. Wow. And his name was Tom Bibby, Doobs. Doobie. Right? So I, kn I knew Doobs when I was young from swimming. We used to swim together, right? Swimming's my sport. Yeah. It's the only sport I was good at when I was growing up. And um, so... What was he saying? So he hit me back up saying... Um, and we got into comics as well back then. So we yeah. used to re read X-Men and Spawn and Hulk and everything back then. Go to all the comic book conventions and that kind of... We both had our kind Love of that shit. OCD yeah, yeah. kind of collectors, like go deep into shit from, from, from the beginning. So he got in contact and was like, yo, you know, um, I've got this hip-hop cruise come down or whatever. And I went down to his mum's house to the basement. The basement. And I met a couple of the guys and I was just like, whoa. And I remember coming back and telling Chesney, yo, I met these guys, like this guy that I used to know, like, it's amazing. And I remember just thinking, this is hip hop. So was this 00 or 99? I would suggest 00. Yeah, cause I think, cause I, I met Tom in 98 we hung together a couple of years, raving, mm. smoking in his mum's basement, mm. him telling me about music and that, and then I moved to Brighton. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, it was when I see him again three years later, yeah. is when it had all come to fruition. Yeah, I've, yeah. so I think it was like, it must have been a well. Yeah. Because I just, I was in sick form mm. and I was doing art, painting. And I kind of knew that the only avenue I had in academia, academia was art. And so by choosing, so back to education quickly, you, by choosing art, that enabled you to stay in education. If you didn't have art, you wouldn't have continued. 100%. Yeah. But also, like it was something I was good at and I wasn't yeah. good at that much. Yeah. You know? So it was like, it really was an empowering thing and it was something I loved. Um, so while you were in there though, doing your sixth form art, did you, were you thinking of being an artist or was it just like, I can get, I'm doing this because I can get a grade. It's keeping me education. I know you don't constantly think this, but... I've always had this, like, two... Like, I think it... I've had two things going on as a constant theme until very recently, I would say. One has been very... Is, a, is like a fucking superpower, which I wish I could give to everyone, which is, like, I've always been able to know what makes me feel good, and I've always been able to do that and follow that. From nice. young, I had the instinct, like... Hip hop art, like I'm choose my lane. I'm yeah. good with that. Finding workshops. I don't need nothing else. All of that, yeah. and I'll just do it. Like same with even jobs over the years. Like uh -huh. I've rarely worked shit jobs that I hated because I always just I know what I want and I and I go for it. Yeah. 
But the flip side of that, the, the other side of it, I'll say is like real kind of like imposter syndrome or feel it, feel like real kind of like insecurity where I would just be like, I love painting now. Yeah. But I don't want to be an artist because I'm not good enough and like I don't know how to do it and like who the fuck is, I would never become, of course I'm going to become an artist. Yeah. It's like Damien Hurst and all them that you yeah. see like. Uh, you know and then it's impossible yeah. and then with rapping it was like I love rapping now mm. but of course I'm not going to come with rap I'm from mm. fucking North London like, we don't become rappers um, and even in the beginning with acting it was like oh, I'm enjoying this and I'll give it a spin but like of course I'm not going to become a fucking thing it's a fuckery you know? being creative <laughs> it is fuckery but I think there's something it seems to have, it seems to have served me well yeah. and it's like it borders, you know, sometimes it gets, I get so technical about words, but whether it's like insecurity or whether it's like humility or, or, or what it is of like, you know, that, because it's a negative ultimately, that imposter suit. It's a negative when it becomes crippling, yeah. but it's a positive when it's like, when it just keeps you humble well, like, because it's, it's just about the process it's that f exactly it's, a, it's that fine line and it's only ever been that for me it's never about the final product no product, whatever that is when that's what I'm saying about being a creative mm. is because we, you end up like because you do create and you do more than the process you finish mm. and you're finishing but so you're, you're, you're doing art in, in college and you're rapping and you're DJing mm. you're executing all of them but it's not even about any it's not about the outcome in any of it it's all about mm. Producing. It's all about mark making. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to the art, I was just wanting to mark make. Mm. Um, I know Basquiat was, I was just a two-bob Basquiat, basically. Lovely. Um, like most people in art school. And, <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, with, with hip-hop, it was just about expressing myself again, you know? And, um, and that was, that was a... That was like something, yeah, that's something that I've carried on now and again with like acting without jumping too far forward. It's like, I'm all about, I, I, I just want to be in the creative process. I want to be preparing for the character. I want to be on set working. You know, there's very little enjoyment to be had once I rap for me it's just very very next. very little yeah. and that's why you just see me rolling around in a wife beater and tracksuit bottoms <laughs> that's why my hair looks like a fucking bird's nest but like that's what Dube said to me he's like oh man you're so funny man he's like look at your fucking hair bruv I'm like what I don't care innit he's like yeah but every time I see you on Insta when, when they've got the stylist you're looking like all sharp and that I'm like yeah when they do it for me yeah, exactly. other than that I'm waking up normal this is still you know it. because it's not, none of this, you know, my, my, my agent's emailing me, oh, do you want, you know, do you want a box? Or two have invited you for, a, or someone rather, has invited you to a box for the Drake gig up. Do you want to go? Oh, nah. It's not me. No, nah, I'd rather be at home with the kids. Yeah, I'm good. I, 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 listen, I might listen to his album yeah. while I'm with the kids. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. have a dance with them. Yeah, yeah. But no, nah, I don't want to go over to no. for the corporate box and drink no. champagne with you lot. Whatever. I like process. You know? I like, I like process. process. Plus, even, even when the movie comes out, it's like, it's for you, not me. Yeah, you know, and even for, even then, it's not even. I don't really like. It's nice to have some positive reinforcement if of your creative decisions. Yeah. So yep. if you enjoy, yep. if you come back and say, "Ah, oh, Zapan and Alita," that that was so like that guy was fun. I'll be like, "That's what I, you know. That's what I was going for." Mm. If you you know, if you understand like the nuanced things that I'm trying to put in. 
then that reinforces it. But other than that, you don't mind. I don't give a you just shit. Like Bruno. I ain't reading. I, I ain't reading reviews, and if I am, I'm laughing my head off. And so you, if they're good or bad. Did you? So you can verbally say that now. But do you think you were that way then? At that age, 17, 18? No. You think? No, but did think, your mind work that way though? It was all about process still. It was all about process, but the end did matter. It did matter. And I didn't understand why but that's that teenage I couldn't shit, I like, get yeah. what I wanted. And like sometimes I could make tunes like Mind Out and, oh. and, and certain tunes, and sometimes I couldn't. And I, I, I really couldn't understand. I was so on autopilot. And like a lot of skunk at the time, you yeah, know, a lot of weed. don't help. We were saying we was on a diet of Red Stripe, KFC and Monk. Yeah, and wondering I mean? why we're fucked. That's not really, wonder why we ain't got clarity. Yeah, and yeah? energy. And yeah. why we're catching feelings about things we shouldn't be catching feelings about. <laughs> and this is everyone in the room, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Fucking gorillas in the mist in, yeah. the, in the basement, man. You can barely see people on the other side of the room. So, so yeah, I, I, you know, in hindsight, it's kind of easy to look back and say, ah, oh, you know, the hip hop, stuff wasn't supposed to work out because this was the path I was supposed to walk but I think that's just like a positive way of putting a spin on it I think I wasn't you know I no, wasn't this is all ready part, this is all part of the journey though yeah it, oh it is part of the journey yeah. but that doesn't take away from the fact that like I didn't execute my shit efficiently back then now I've learned from that and that's why you see me out here oh, but that's weird to say that Ed that is very fucking weird because I see you as an accomplished rapper I know you're an accomplished actor, and I can see you taking that quite weirdly, but Mind Out, to me, and your other EPs are incredibly important to me. Your, your, your appearances on certain tracks are very important to me. Like, I, I regard you as a very good rapper from the UK. Yeah, but, and, and that's a position I hold with pride, and, and, and you know, it's a kind of... Um, you did achieve. It's a hard one. I know, but we were yeah. aiming for... You were aiming for more. We wanted to be the North London's Rakims, you yeah. know what I mean? We wanted to like make an Illmatic. We wanted to be able to like- Base mentality Really too, do things, you know? But I mean, I, listen, I, I, I remember my mum saying to me, wow, this is amazing. Like, look at how much you're traveling and that. And all right, it was easy jet flights and sleeping on people's sofas sometimes. But it was, you know, we'd go to Spain and Switzerland and Slovakia and Brighton. Lithuania and everywhere yeah Brighton you know certain times every month Brighton and so you know we did achieve and it was wonderful but I'm just aware that we we slash I didn't have the tools at the time I hadn't grown up enough I didn't know myself enough I wasn't aware of the autopilot things I was doing um, and I kind of started a journey of self discovery and, and kind of self um Illumination, um, probably around 25. And then that enabled me by the time I hit like 30 to start understanding this shit. And I'm 36 now and right. I, feel a, a, I feel at a good place with it um, to keep growing and to yeah, keep learning. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's taken years. You know, I suppose if I wanted to be in that position in the underlie days, I would have to start when I was nine years old. You would have to start. <laughs> you, right. Or five years old, yeah. you know? So I, I forgive myself. But I think, I mean, like there's been times in my life where all I wanted to be was the All City King or the Bakerloo Line King hmm. or the Kilburn King and I didn't achieve it. I played the part and I'm proud of what mm -hmm. I did. I didn't achieve it. He was like a lord. Or a sir or something. Maybe, shit. maybe a bit lower than that. But I mean, it, 
the point being is that all that energy I put in, no matter though it didn't hit the level I wanted to, mm. played a part in the next thing and the next thing. Oh, for sure, man. And so I know what you mean. If you look at that time in one spot, if you look at those five years, I know what you're saying about we didn't get to what we wanted to. Mm. I get that. But it, I'm glad you didn't as well. No matter how much I love you as a rapper, Mm. I love you as an actor. I'm glad I didn't because because I don't want to be a fucking. I don't want to be a musician. I don't want to sit in studios with no light and, <laughs> and fucking everyone smoking all the time. I don't want to be going off every night to a different place. Like when musicians tour, yeah, they have to move every night. Yeah, when I go off, yeah, like I go to Montreal and live in Montreal for a month. I go Brooklyn <laughs> and live in Brooklyn for six weeks. I might go Cape Town for two weeks. I might go fucking Budapest in the height of the winter cool but I'm staying there for a while yeah. so I get to ex culturally experience these places and plug myself in in a somewhat superficial but in a very unique way where I kind of get to jump in yeah. straight in the deep end and, and, and live with the workers and whatnot so this lifestyle suits me more yeah, yeah, you yeah. know and, and I was in the studio with um, Kochi Radical um, when he recorded his verse for the Beggars album. Yeah. Because um, Beggars are obviously like my people's, my close friends that I still, you know, still very close with. And um, Coach is someone who, who's really inspired me recently and who we've, 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 we've uh, bucked up a little friendship. So I went to meet them. I watched Coach in the studio and I was like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> Look at this guy. This is sick. It was effortless. Yeah. It, was, it was art personified. And when I'm on set, I'm supposed to be doing it. That's your thing. Best believe, come yeah, watch yeah, me on yeah, set. Exactly. I'm supposed to be yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, You know? And so that was like a wonderfully illuminating thing to be there. And I kind of worried if I'd... Worried. I kind of wondered if I'd catch feelings. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, so yeah, I was on yeah, my yeah. motorbike on the way there thinking, I wonder if... Like, this is weird, isn't it? Because I'm not on the track. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if I'm gonna want to, if I, how I'm gonna feel. Yeah, am I gonna be rubbed the wrong yeah. way? Like, am I gonna? But it's weird because um, another rapper, Cass, is dead, who we've fucked up a real close um, friendship, uh, creatively, personally, everything. He's a real special fucking artist and person. And when we, so when we're in the studio and, and he's playing beats and stuff, it's such an interesting dynamic, Daz, because the chemicals drop like I want to spit. Right. And in the most natural, calm, nice way, there's nothing there. It's a really it, weird feeling. So it's feeling. not scary? No, it's, it, it, it just is what it is. Okay. And it's really interesting because I'm like, oh, but, but the, the tools are not there. Maybe, you know, I'm not sure what, what um, I could. I think I know what you mean. I got asked a very, very uh, weird amazing question recently mm. um, and when I let it sink in it took about a week to ten days to sink in and when I'd made a decision it felt like I was just like whoa what was that and then I remembered the feeling was me sitting in the bushes outside Queen's Park Yard it was exactly the same feeling which basically was I'm not going to tell you I'll tell you later what, it, what the actual thing mm. was but it was basically the feeling was you need to do this it's scary as fuck. It's gonna be great. Hmm. Go, and it was. And it was just like, hmm. well, like I was just like, whoa, that feeling came hmm. exactly the same thing. Like you say, you were in the studio. That you get it. I suppose objectively analyzing it, I would say that it was like 
I could recognize that the feeling is still there yeah. and will always be there. Yeah. But I'm truly at peace that I'm out of practice yeah. and that I don't really want to do it anymore. Yeah. It's not your thing. In fact, not even don't really want to. I, I don't, don't want really. to do it anymore. Yeah. Because anyone who knows me knows if I wanted to do it anymore, yeah. I would have a double album recorded right now. You would. You would as well. But you I don't would, want to. No, and you'd be stressed because you would have put it on yourself to do that mm. when you don't want to do that. No, I don't want to. So quickly, quickly the underlie years because underlie is so important to me like to a massive it's how degree. we met it's how we met but like I opened a graffiti art gallery mm-hmm. rare kind rare kind graffiti art gallery that's what it was mm. and then I don't know a couple of months in I somehow fuck knows how but I got Louis Slipper's £10 bag mm. right that's the only music I was What's selling an album? Uh, groundbreaking still one of the best that's the only music I was selling mm. I then move into my proper, proper shop after six months in this basement. Move into a proper shop, proper shop. And then Tom turns up with you lot. Hmm. And it was like, I've got to really represent hip-hop now. Look at these boys. Because I, as I said, I knew what Tom was up to before I left London, but I didn't think anything of it. Hmm. Like, I didn't... Fi- yeah, I know you like rap, Tom. I know you... I know, you, got, you geek about it, Tom. I know, I know, I know. This is 99. Yeah, I know, Tom. And then to come and meet me two and a half years, three years later with all you lot and just be like we were on it man you lot were on it and it was kind of the Wu-Tang mould was like what we oh. what we kind of bought into and you know Tom was kind of the RZA mould I suppose it was beautiful was kind of curating it and it was just you know it was called Underground Alliance you came down was, with product you had the, the mm. CD was done the vinyl was done mm. it was like some masterpiece shit as well some no limit shit yeah um, where it was yeah, like yeah it was we, we, everything's off our own back and it really taught me a lot of street entrepreneurial values and skill sets and stuff which still serves me even when I'm yeah. hustling in Hollywood or wherever it is that, that, that serves me so well man and um, yeah it was an amazing time man it, it really it made me I've always loved I've loved hip hop since I found it but it made me want to play a much bigger part in hip hop mm. because of what you lot were doing but the was, scene was special at that time oh, the scene was special Brighton was special and we um, may have been indicative of that scene to you so you felt so you see it and you're like oh snap my main thing was is that you were Londoners mm. that was it and I had a fat connection full proper connection with you I was mm. in Brighton by myself mm. alright I had a couple of London boys with me my, two of my best mates Gareth and Nick mm. but they weren't in the business with me, mm. they weren't in the shop with me as such. And I had Londoners come and join me after the fact, but it's just like, these are my boys from mm. my part of town. Mm. They're here now, rapping in my shop. So we came down and recorded the rec- uh, the Mind Out video. In the shop. there. Brought Odyssey down a- did a painting of you on the shop wall. Yes. And we had, the front cover of the Mind Out vinyl was a photo from the gallery. Yeah, it was, yeah. With, with a zombie piece in the back. That's right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, done by Perra who's an amazing artist um, graphic artist yeah Spanish uh, yeah. yeah and uh, Sevilla Andalusia um, and uh, we would come down because you would hold ciphers every month every week mm-hmm. every Saturday or something every, every Saturday yeah shift not once a month but yeah, yeah. so we come down that's where I met like the Imagineers <coughs> Tom Hines those guys yeah Syntax, Syntax and all those guys who obviously later on me and Syntax recorded the whole album mm-hmm. um it was, it was an amazing time. I suppose it was Yoke just... Yoke Mike re- was for Underlie. <laughs> that's who it was for. Wow. It was for Underlie. Wow. That's who, that's who it was for. And yeah, I knew the rest of them. My youthful arrogance made me, made me feel that anyway, but I didn't intellectually <laughs> no, know that. No, no, <laughs> but I, I think it was a kind of unwritten rule though, wasn't it? It was just like, Underlie's here, so we know what happens. 
this is these are Daz's people for sure. This is the shop. But let's talk, let's also say that like the kind of you know the the character that I've that I am now that I've that I want to be is this inclusive, supportive, gentle, positive character. Especially in work sets, you know, I'm, I, I pride myself on being the super glue, on, on holding everyone together, and, and you know, never showing no ego or nothing like energy. that. Yeah. Now, when it came to those ciphers, yeah. fuck all that. Yeah, 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 yeah I bro. was like, I'm eating these lot. Yeah. These, no one, none of these lot can fuck with me. I'm gonna be more animated, more yeah. stronger. I'm gonna have everything locked down. I'm gonna look these people in their eyes <laughs> and it was like a real competitive thing it was like from the competitive from my sports yeah background the kind of thing and i was on some eat up shit back yeah. then i was really eat like up. the cypher was there to be eaten it was and amazing taken. i well believe i felt the same i own the spot don't think my ego was not popping mm. i didn't make any money in there but <laughs> <laughs> we used to empty the shop every saturday whenever it was on those saturdays mm. empty all the clothes off the rail empty the shop floor and just have a party it was so good man. and it was amazing it was kind of like when when i was a kid and i used to watch like american and australian teen tv shows and be like <laughs> oh they're so cool i want to live like i want a yeah. spot where i just hang out in the pool or saved by the bell or fucking around the twist or whatever shit it was yep. back then and i was like oh my god look He's, they've spray painted the whole side of the building, like the whole place, and the artwork, and inside is slippers and underlying task force and skinny right. man and Klashnikov. It was like, this is amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Quite weirdly, quite, one of my new, one of my clients uh, owns that pub. It's a pub now, that shop. Really? And he owns it. I'd like to go down to it. I'm painting the outside of it. <laughs> Amazing. Not graffiti. We're mm. doing the mural on it, but it, send me it, a photo when you do. I it. couldn't. Be, I use that. Meet me. Send me a photo of what it looks like inside now. Yeah, bro, literally, see. I spun out because you're like, that's where my the counter was. That's where that was. But I, I was down there and I, he goes, meet me. I called him up. He's like, yeah, come meet me at the Fountainhead. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. And I get to Brighton. I'm walking down North Road. Trafalgar, yeah, North Road. And I'm like, Fountainhead. Fa Fuck, that's my old shop. No. And I walk in, I was like, Rob, you know this is... And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I thought you'd like that. I'm like, yes, I want you to see the outside. I'm like, fucking nuts. Beautiful. Yeah, amazing. That's some full but that shop shit. was beautiful. That shop was a, a really special time for me, man. Mm. It was a really special time for us. You know, Brighton was this place that felt a little bit like a sort of mini London on sea. How was the scene in London at the time then? Well, you, it was so amazing. You were, it was so unified, man. It was like, you know, everything was just done through promotion of flyers. Uh -huh. You had like Battle Scars at Subterranea, Kung Fu at um, Underworld in Camden. Yeah. Um, and you had these raves just about, and obviously there was a lot of um, concerts and shit, like, you know, like when Buster comes to the forum and there was a fucking riot because he didn't come out. And yeah. DMX was at Stratford Rex. And there was all this stuff going off. But all the, so everywhere you'd see the same people mm -hmm. and everyone's handing out the flyers. Then you go in Four Star General, you go to um, Deal Real and all of that. All these places where people are linking up, MSM. And, and so it was a real physical, you know, real scene. Mm. And it was amazing. And you, I just wanted to be a part of it. It was so unified, man. And we'd come out of the raves, the parties, and we'd cipher in the street for an hour. You know, and it was like, you know, the truth is, Daz, is when we talk about what we didn't achieve in UK hip hop on a material level, 
I achieved everything I could have dreamed of in terms of, fi- of what I wanted in terms of like finding a home, finding my people, finding my place in this world. You know, I realized like I'm, 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 I'm good in the underbelly. I'm good in the underground, I'm, 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 which is ironic that I'm now in a realm that's a lot more commercial. But, you know, I navigate it in my own way. That may not seem so obvious to people. No, so, but the point is, is you're connected. Bro, I, I, sit, I sit at the top floor of Universal Movies on the regs with the vice president. On the regs. Mm. I'm still underground. Mm. I don't care where I'm going. Mm. <clears throat> I'm proud of where I'm going. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I know where I've come from and what... It, that shit grounds you, Ed. Not what you come from, what you are, because that yeah, shit yes. made you. Yes, what I am. It's what no, you you're bring. Right. You're right. You bring the underground to, to, to Universal. Yeah, but in a, in a nice, easy way, I'm not fucking up there rapping to them like, <laughs> with my hat backwards, but... They, it's the authenticity is what they like mm-hmm. but the point being is that you bring authenticity to Hollywood and the film sets you on mm. because of where you've come from because mm. of those places you've been because of being part of that culture and so yeah I, I still see you as an underground guy mm. I don't care if I see you on a fucking movie screen I think maybe the word is, is uh, uh, underground maybe I, we should switch that to subversive we, we have to switch the word mm. we have to because it's like you know what like I'm trying to do subversive. on my commercial shit and what I'm trying to do on the commercial shit I work on like Elita or Deadpool or whatever it's like make it subversive you know mm. what I mean mm. it doesn't matter if it's a fucking hundred million dollar movie doesn't matter like we can make it I, I want to make it feel subversive in the same way that like Nas it was written the budget for the album was probably 50 bags mm. and then by the time he got to you know I Am or whatever they mm. probably spent 5 mil on mm. it you know it, it, that's kind of a bad example because it did sound commercial. Uh, but I know what you mean. It, it, you know, but at the same time, it's like to bring that subversive shit. And so to be around these guys that were talk, that were battling, that were talking this filth, that were but had so much love and unity, um, it, it it really was like a hope, mm. you know. And to be able to travel and meet hip hoppers in Newcastle, meet people like Stig. Go over to Spain, you know, to Seville and, and, and link up with my boy Seleka, mm-hmm. the, the, the painter. You know, that was like enabling us to become global citizens rather than just like North Londoners who, who, who sometimes get the, what, get the get three night buses down to Brixton or whatever. So what, what do you think you would have done if you hadn't got involved with, with hip-hop? Like in those years, not talking about later on, I just wonder about if you hadn't, you know, if Tom hadn't made that call, if you and your boy hadn't been like writing little songs or whatever, I think I was too deep. I, I don't. I don't. It's a hard question. Yeah, I can't really see another. Uh, I There's can't no, really see any other way it would no, have gone because too, Mr. Jones and my sister. Yeah, really like it was too real already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the sort of allure and attraction yeah. was too real already. So I moved back to London in December '08 to mm-hmm. open up the London Gallery with Craven Black mm-hmm. in, in May 2009. Mm-hmm. And so I, the, I hadn't seen you for a couple of years. Underlie had moved on. My shop had changed as well. It wasn't such a hub anymore. I'd moved into this different three-story building and mm-hmm. we were doing open mics, but it was more, it wasn't as open anymore. It was more releases. Chester mm-hmm. come down, done from the ashes, mm-hmm. you know. This is when it was opposite Brick Lane? No, no, so I'm in Brighton, three-story building. Mm. I then leave in December 08, move to London, and in May 09, I open up with Chrome and Black at the opposite Brick right. Lane. And in there, I'm not selling music. I'm not, all I'm doing is selling art. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that year I come back, hadn't seen you for a couple of years. I'm standing outside Village Underground doing a painting for them, 
there's a big light on that night. And he walked past me and you're like, Daz, what are you saying? I'm like, fuck it, what are you saying, bro? He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm performing tonight with Asian Dub Foundation. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. yeah. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> and then I went in and I watched you perform. And yeah. I was just like, wow. And that was when I realised, oh shit, he's a real artist. Mm. So I'd also by that point seen one of your paintings. Mm-hmm. So I knew you were a sick rapper sick crew loved loved you loved all your boys then I see this one painting at our shared friend Bridie's house which was mm. massive and I was like the fuck he paints art the fuck and then there's this Asian Dub Foundation thing years later a few mm. years later after that and I'm just like yeah this guy that come got about it. through flute box so we used to have this mad like after like the underlying stuff kind of died down the, we did the beggars thing we did the syntax thing that's right beggars you had a big thing with beggars big thing with yeah. beggars and then the beggars kind of went off <clears throat> and just focused on beggars a bit more rather than like me double edge and syntax yes, and yeah. Stig all the kind of family so I started working with Nathan Flutebox Lee who was just amazing who's proper one of us and a true artist who would beatbox through the flute and we had this mad wow. fucking stage show where he would do the flute boxing as the lead. As the lead. I remember this guy, mm. yes, yes. He would have been there that night. And then Wandan would have done the sub bass yeah. just for the beatbox. Fucking all right, just to add to it. Then our, our man uh, Richard Bundy would play the Moog. Yeah. Um, uh, keys, and then we would have um, uh, Mike on the viola. Fucking and we all look like weirdos. Yeah. We all look like proper, all over the place weirdos. And, but we were all love, loving, lovely weirdos. And so we'd get up on stage and people fucking loved it. We'd go and do folk festivals in, in a, we did the WOMAD festival in Catheres and, and, and in, a, in a citadel in Catheres, four hours out of Madrid and to the Canary Islands. We went to a folk festival in oh. Ypres in Belgium where everyone was sitting down in seats and we'd go up and do this shit. And we were like the bash What were you kids. doing? Spitting. You were spitting. Mm. Yeah. I was like the rapper. I was the only one doing vocals. Yeah. Because the whole thing was it was hip-hop. And Nathan was a proper hip-hop head. Yeah. But he loved, he was so influenced by rock. I can't remember, the, I can't remember what you, I can't remember what you did in the performance. When Asian Dub Foundation, they met me through Nathan and then they asked me to be on their album. I did a couple tracks on their album, I think. And we toured for that album. Wow. So we just did like, I did my three or four tracks. I'd come on and jump around and add yeah. a bit of different energy. Um, the feature tracks yeah and just be that kind of uh, you know crazy skinhead rapper jumping around yeah and um, it was great because it, it I was able to sort of continue my journey of creativity and again keep working with interesting subversive people and um, and form new bonds and see the world in new ways it just when I say I've been present, I probably more mean that I would just take, maximize opportunities. Yeah, it's yeah. probably something my mum and dad taught me uh-huh. that like maximize opportunity. Don't, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Like if there's something there, see it all the way through. Yeah. And that's what I've done throughout my yeah, life sense. and career. I've really seen things all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, even when it comes to like, um, I know you, you're a fighter. Mm. And not in a neg- I don't mean it in a negative way, and I don't mean like you're standing there, your fists up, ready to go. But I mean you're, no, D, I'm doing this. Mm. Uh, I know it's got to be done. I'm gonna do it. I think like swimming like taught me that like it's isolated. Yeah. Like, no one can make you a better swimmer That's except really the hard work that you put in. When you race 
the other five people in the lane in this pool or whatever in their lanes they can't really have an effect on you mm. there's a slight effect of like slipstream and where they are and the waves that they create but really and yeah. truly what you've put in you will get out mm. and you don't even need to look at them mm. you just need to excel that's quite an interesting you know and so that to look at process else, yeah. yeah so that process is how I approach acting now is how I've approached everything of being like I need to do me and I need to do me the best I can so the acting thing is this where plan B comes back in mm-hmm. was that your first thing yeah so in 2008 yeah we, 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 he said to me oh, I'm, oh I've written it. he'd always written and you'd known scripts. him now for what 10 years or something 8 years yeah yeah you knew him for a long yeah, time yeah. by that I'm point, yeah. super tight and yeah. super in, you know involved in each other's careers invisibly yeah you know yeah um and so, yeah, he, he just said, um, I've written this short film and I want you to do it with Adam Deacon from mm. Kidohood. And um, we had a two-day shoot. We did it. Had you acted before? No, never. Okay. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. Um, didn't do drama, GCSE, none no. of that. Um, All your experience of doing anything like that would have just been you're live on stage or on a, on a mic. Live on stage, but also, again... Swimming is like getting yourself ready, waiting. It's like you get there, you know your race, then you have to queue up for your race. Imagine okay. the nerves you build up in yeah. that time, right? Which I used is, to swim and race. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing with like going on set. Mm. You know, you're ready and then it's like, all right, now chill for 45 minutes. It's like, you know, it's the, the, the most important thing of sports and creativity is to be able to get out of the way of yourself right. but these yeah. kind of environments only serve to get you in the way of yourself so um, so when it came to things like that I saw it as performance in the same way so I'd be like okay I'd use the nerves in a positive way I've always kind of enjoyed nerves and been able to transfer them into positive energy into adrenaline yep. and so then it would just be perform give everything don't worry about anyone else and then what was the role? The role was, um, that basically was Ed from Ill Manners. Ah, yeah. And Adam was playing um, Riz's character. Adam was supposed to be Riz's character. But he, um, <coughs> but he um, was shooting Another Hood, his comedy that he directed. So we couldn't do it, so Riz came in. So basically we did that in 08, which was the story of Michelle, the prostitute, yeah. and you know, us uh, stealing a phone and blah, blah. Then after that, we, we slash he got funding to make a feature. And then we, we shot Ill Manners in 2010. Amazing. I said to Ben, oh, I don't want to do this acting thing, bro, this is too mental. Like, it was nuts. It's like, you know, real life shit, you know, drug dealers stopping us from shooting in the streets because they're like bruv you can't come and shoot here you're baiting up the thing and who the fuck are you you know these are our, this is our street so next thing Ben signs a couple things for them says yeah you can be in the back as an extra or whatever and everyone's sweet um, <laughs> but or we'd have to move on sometimes yeah, yeah, like it yeah. was on top you know and um, that wasn't appealing to you all this there was just too many added nah, things but it I was just want to be creative emotionally I found it so difficult because it was such a horrible character Ed yeah. Um, in that movie that I couldn't separate it whereas now I can separate it all day long it's nothing to me so anyway it was brand new then though. cut a long story short I weren't that into it we did it 2010 we got it was a mess in the edit so 
And Ben Strickland Banks blew up after that. Yeah. So he got another 150 grand. So bear in mind, we still made the movie for 300 grand. It's yeah. nothing, right? But we got, he got another 150, so we sh re did reshoots and reshot, like made new scenes and reshot loads of shit. And um, so that's, that's him bringing his money from his music project mm -hmm. and putting it into the film, even though he'd already got together so his much record money to label. make it. His record label, yeah. then he used that record label money. People just believed in him because he was like, yeah, we ain't got, he was like, this is a mess and it, it's not a movie right now and I need more money. And they were like, you're a fucking star. You just sold two million copies Let's go. and won an Ivan Novello. How much do you want? Oh, God, and he so went, give me 150. It was perfect timing. And so we did it and it came out in 2012. Um, and then, yeah, my, I just, um, his agent, I mean, I don't, it's without going too deep into all this other stuff that was going on in my life, but I was like really at rock bottom at that time. Um, financially, I was at a place where I was earning like 45 pound a week. My son was five months old. I was really worried about my future jobs and everything, the hip hop, I'd kind of fallen out of love with it and was like 26, 27 by then, so it was like, I'm not a youth, I'm not a young man you'd anymore. Done, you'd done a decade as well. Yeah, I'd done a decade, I'd done enough, and, and, and I know it just wasn't, again, mm. like I do what I, what I want to do and yeah, what yeah, I love, yeah. and if I don't love it, I ain't doing it. Yeah, yeah. I'll walk away that tomorrow. But at that time then, you're lost. Yeah, I was lost. I was lost. I was because still making the most of things, but I was lost. And because now, you'd been so present. Yeah, and now yeah. the moment that changed everything was I was sitting on a bench in Scotland with Moody, and I got a text from Ben that said, my agent saw the movie and she wants to meet you. Are you up for that? So, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm back in London next week, so we'll link up. And my life changed after that. And this woman has become a mentor. She's become a, 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 a light in my life. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, Kate Buckley, man. She's um, one of the most special people in my life as a human being, you know. Um, and and uh, professionally, she's been amazing and... and um, and that was it. And so from there, I was just like, okay, realign. You know, start getting sent to all these auditions and that. In hindsight, making all the silly mistakes and that that people make. But it was just like, I'm going to get better. I'm mm. going to graft. And plus, like, I don't need this. And did you start to like it? Mm. I did. I got a buzz off it. Yeah. And I even got a buzz off the auditions and stuff. And I don't know, I just felt like I was really built for it. And it's proved that I was really built for it. And I see it now when I'm, when I'm on set, when people think, you know, it's, you know, certain things are obvious and certain things ain't obvious. Like, you know, when you see certain footballers, you're like, you're supposed to be kicking ball. Look mm. how relaxed you, Mohamed Salah is, mm. you know? Mm. And look how he plays the game, you know? And sometimes when he tries really hard, he doesn't score. Mm. And you're like, Salah, just relax, be bro, you. You'll just be you. Yeah. And um, you just, you got this, you just need to relax and work hard. And, and I felt that from early and I've done that. And I've really tried to curate this path and the trajectory and the positioning that I want. You know, I, I, I do not feel like Mr. Generic Actor yeah. or Mr. Hollywood or Mr. Acting or Mr. Movies. No, I don't feel that way. However, I feel I can offer an incredible, incredible amount to this industry and to storytelling as an outsider, yeah. as someone who's different, as a oddity, I can be a commodity. It's really interesting, man. It's like, it's like you've entered um, the real world mm. 
uh, knowing knowing some secrets mm, yes exactly that's very very well put do you know what I mean mm. like you, you know what the bullshit is mm. you, you know where it can go mm. you've seen all that in various guises over the years through lesser means mm. I've had success and failure already yeah 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 exactly and I've, you already you knew what an ego was mm. you knew what type of person you were with an ego mm. you knew what other people were like with that mm. you know it, it's been a real proud thing for me to say I know Ed's growing you know <laughs> Seriously, man, and I, I don't mean to take this, but it's, and I think it'd be the same for all of us. Like, you have not made us look shit. <laughs> and it's been lovely to watch because, and I suppose if we thought about it, it could have gone a different way. And it, so be it. So what if it had done? If you had gone off and, I don't know if the word sell out works anymore, but you, you know what I mean. I think mm. you could have you could have gone switched off. Up, you could have gone off and been someone else. Ed. Yeah, yeah. You really could have. Enough people have done that, man. Oh, I've got, and you know what? Cool, fine. Mm. It, They're probably the new self is probably who they really were all along. Probably and so was. you know what? More power to you. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Again, uh, this similarity we seem to have, man. This the point is to become ourselves. I told mm. you this year I've hit a milestone, which mm. I've been looking to hit for a long time. I've played about with larger things, but this mm. personal for me was, and I hit this milestone, but it's, I'm still being me. Mm. It's a great milestone. I feel like this, 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 this shit recently, this positive shit has just made me even more me. Mm. And it's made me simplify who me is. So me is, um, all that matters is the process of creativity. As long as that's fed in you, yeah. keeps you good. Yeah. Is um, my family mm. being safe and happy mm -hmm. and me contributing to the family is not enough for me to just no. be across the world and giving them money. No. no. Me being a real active part of their life and all of that. And my people around me, my... Um, hold on, there's the door. It's all right. Let me just get that. Do that. Yeah, so like the... Um, yeah, so the, the the recent positive success and stuff has really just shown me who the fuck has made me even more me, which mm. is just... Does it... I know you've always been positive, but does mm. it feel new? Right? So me, again, there's a lot of similarities going on in our lives, right? But me, I've, this... I've been nice and good for a long time. Mm. But the awareness of it and what I get back from being that person has become apparent in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So this, it all feels quite new to me. Basically, if everything, my mood and feeling, apart from my anxiety and <clears throat> shit like that, but my mood, and generally, it, I feel like I'm in a spring meadow. I'm mm -hmm. really lucky because it yeah. feels new and I'm quite intrigued about the route, this behaviour and this understood outlook on life is going to impact on me. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it, it felt new like seven years ago. Okay. It felt new then and it was a journey. I was like, okay, and this is, I need to, this is new, this is different because I definitely didn't feel this. Yeah. I wasn't in no fucking meadow um, 15 years ago. But, um, but now, again, like with this simplicity, it just feels like, like just keep calm and carry on, man. Yeah. Just keep things simple, you know what I mean? Know what moves you, know what makes you happy. Um, live with no regrets, yeah. you know? And, um, and just do the best for, peop for people around me. And if I can feel morally good about my impact on 
people around me and um and it, in another a side thing of like culturally yeah. you know it's a nice feeling to like positively contribute culturally yeah. and as you know I, I enter this next like couple months where I've got like two big movies coming out this big launch of this um other thing commercial thing well this just gives me an opportunity to chat some positive shit yeah do you know what I mean yeah. and it's like there's some problem more. always some problematic things with press with like movies with like spin mm-hmm. that can be put on them or like sometimes they can be outrightly problematic things with the people that you're working with or this or that and so you get these problematic questions I'm like bring them on mm-hmm. let me spin them into a positive you know and um, I love that so I really feel like yeah man I feel like uh, everything feels mad simple mm-hmm. like it feels so simple it's never felt more simple it's crazy to think that feels it? new actually huh? that feels new that it's all really simple yeah that's yeah uh, yeah I think that's it maybe we're saying the same thing we're just with different terminology yeah again. but I think yeah that's it. it but isn't it nuts that we're both I mean uh, you're killing it there's all this shit going on mm. kids wives businesses booming you know what I mean lots and lots going on and mm. yet there's this serenity and in simplicity mm. throughout all of it, and I think that's something it's we've, from art, man. We've both found that it's from art, and that's what I meant about. Art the has always made me feel like that's why I was in there at lunchtime with my snowsuit. Mm. That's why I was in the basement till five in the morning. Yeah. That's why I'm doing eighteen-hour days on Maleficent. Mm. Yeah, waking up two fifty pickups, bro. Yeah, get home at eight. Damn. Same again tomorrow. Yeah, Skipping, it. smiling. Let's yeah. go. Let's go, champ. You know what I mean? It's like so. The, the art gives me that life mm. it gives me that life man it really does it helps you think that way yeah because it fulfills me so much it's like it's a positive it's a positive drug that doesn't have a negative impact on my yeah. family isn't it nuts man like another thing about, about carrying art into these places is so amazing and you got me like oh fuck you ain't got it Oh, sick. Okay, cool. I'm not going to rub it in your face. I'm going to help you. But damn, you're missing out. Carrying art in everyday life is literally all I want to preach, all I want to talk about, because it's so powerful. I've done a painting from, doing a painting for a client friend of mine, and it's a saying that their, daughter, their son says to her about how great a mum she is. It's a really weird, funny sentence. Mm-hmm. So no, I've drawn it out to make sure I get it right, because it's quite a large piece. And I said, go and bring it home, just put it up, make sure it's in the right way. So it's not even the painting, it's just a drawing. She says to me, it's perfect. My son was walking around the house last night with his chest puffed up. He was so proud of himself. And I was like, that's the power of art. He's seen, it's not about me, he's never met me. He's seen his words in this form. And he's just, he's overwhelmed with this, this power. And it, that's the power of art. It's and we remember when we felt like that. Oh, you see, I feel like that daily, but I remember the first time, do you know what I mean? And the, the, the sparks and... Uh, you know what? Even if you don't become an artist, it's not even the point. It's not about... You. No, because I feel the same way when I just look at art. Exactly. And That's again, why, it's process. You know, yeah. your, your house is beautiful with the paintings you've got in here. Amazing. Like, I walked into this room and I saw that it took my breath away. It literally made me gasp. Like, having that... Beautiful. But again, it's like that we are, like... I'm a spectator as much as I am or more than I am a, 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 cre- a creator yeah. yeah 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 you know every, I'm just in awe of this and when I'm acting opposite people and I see proper truth mm. in their eyes or I watch it on screen I'm like wow 
It's lovely. It's amazing. It's, it's like the brush strokes that Seleka does. You exactly. Know? It's like yeah. um, the the uh, the flows that Ocean Wisdom has or Koji Ooh. Radical has. You know, it's it's the same thing. It's like each one is like a paintbrush, but it's mark making with his audio, but it, it, it marks on your heart, man. Well, again, uh, and it's something I've come, it's become quite apparent to me whilst doing this podcast, and you've reaffirmed it on this 50th one, is that it's all about the process. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I've always been striving for the right piece, the best piece, the best letter, the best film, whatever it is I was doing, I just wanted mm. to be top, top, top. And then you're right, you get to that point, you're like, oh, right, what? Oh, it's done. Oh. and then you yeah. th these conversations I've had have really highlighted process to me and how important it is about the process and then it does it's not about it's never about the final piece no. in anything do you know I heard an amazing quite weirdly along the same time as this coming apparent to me in the last few recordings Elk said to me maybe four or five months ago he'd just written maybe no a year ago he'd written his thesis on graffiti being a performance art mm -hmm. so it's not about the painting Mm -hmm. it's everything else around yeah, it I everything that. that goes into it and you're just like oh shit more process yes love it more to try and unpack to try Constant. and track back and yeah. go huh was that what yeah because it's more what? in it more yeah. in it than we ever know yeah I agree man I agree like this is some weird type of alchemy which again ties into this double almost contradicting truths that I spoke on at the beginning which is like art is all that matters but really, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> I love that well, duality. That was you know? beautiful, man. Bro. That was fucking sick. <laughs> we could go on. We could go on forever, but well, we will go on next time we get on the phone. We'll get on the phone. We'll go face to face. You know, one of my favorite conversations, I was sitting in Montreal airport and we were speaking for like 45 minutes. Yeah, we did. Um, and it was a kind of, the without touching on it, it was a, it wasn't a negative subject matter, but it was kind of negative subject matter. The phone call wasn't, wasn't, way. It wasn't that in the beginning. Mm. It wasn't news to be like. Essentially, it was bad. It was kind of bad news bad to be news. discussed, but the way yeah. we unpacked it, it's one of my favorite conversations. <sighs> and it's like, and so I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful that through this podcast, I get to sit down with you for a couple of hours. Yeah. And I'm grateful that through your podcast series, I get to sit down with, with everyone else for a couple of hours. And, um, and enjoy and learn, man. And I, I suppose it just makes me feel less alone because I realise how many similarities there is between yeah. all of us, man. It's been, it's been such a journey doing these conversations and it's been amazing. So uh, eternally grateful to everyone for talking to me and like giving me the time. And I'm just, I can't believe the people I know. Mm. I'm just like, fuck. I know these people. Like, this is nuts. Like, what a mad world we're in. It's, it's a beautiful thing, man. Really, main thing is, and I say it on every one, man, art wins every battle, man. Just come and join the gang, because we're it doing does, all right man. out here. It does, man. It's like... I kind of say, let's come and join the gang, and more... I really hope you find it for yourself, man. Even better. Even you know, because, again, we're swimmers, we're individuals yeah, yeah, yeah. in this, yeah. like... No, you're right. ...pool, you know? And so I really hope you can... You can feel what we feel when we yeah. create and when we're in the process and when we're looking forward to something, when we're breaking it down, when we're And, all, and, and I think the point being is no, that it's not about what you do, Ed, as an actor, mm. and this final piece we see you in transport, whatever mm. it is, we see you in these amazing places or 
you'll, you'll see like a, a zombie character in this dope place. So you might see one of my letters painted mm-hmm. or whatever. It's not even about that. It's about the journey, which mm. is the same for all of us on mm. the way, that process. It is, man. It's yeah. the rare kind of ciphers. It's the roundhouse performances. It's the... Camden life. The, the, yeah, the costume fittings. It's the com- Skype conversations with directors before you go out there. It's the prep sessions, the dialect sessions. It's the, the times on set, the night shoots in the middle of the fucking freezing winter. It's like, that is the shit when you're striking while the iron is hot and you're... In, you're inside it and you're in this imaginary world and you know it's like you're plugged into this like universal creative consciousness and it is like the, the nicest warmest bath to be in it's nuts because it's literally just a one door opening to mm. get into it mm. just one just open your head to that go mm. it's yours it's all there mm. and so actually I would like to finish this um, by saying Open the door for someone else, everyone who's listening. Go and do what Mr. Jones did to me. Give them a CD, yes. a, a, a tape of something. Yeah. Open their eyes to something beautiful. Um, do what Miss Snowsill did to me. Believe in, believe in someone and, 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 and give, them, give them power and love, I love man. That. I love that. That's my doorbell. That's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I love I'm you, bro. I love you too, Yes. Man. Well, that was dope for a 50th recording, hey? Ed's a diamond. We went off to pick his son up from primary school after we chatted. Ed's still Ed, rocking the white vest. What a journey though, hey? He really took that advice from his parents, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, and he made it work for him. He weren't looking for gifts though, he was looking to work on his creativity, that was the gift. And if it happened to be on some decks in Camden, a microphone in the basement in Belsize, painting a canvas at lunchtime, or an in-store open mic in Brighton, Ed was at it. He made some amazing music also, his Mind Out EP is my favourite. He did great music with Syntax, Foreign Beggars, obviously Underlier. I loved all of it. It was great hearing that connect with Plan B also. I didn't know that. And uh, come on, be creative here, Ed. Be an actor. And Ed just saying, go on then, let's go. Look where the bloody got him. So inspirational. If it's there, do it. If you want it, do it. Ed knew the math. I know, and Ed knows how much real stuff gets in the way. Life, kids, bills, relationships, etc. He said it, he was down to 45 quid a week at one point with his newborn son. But Ed still kept on being Ed. Do you, people. Be good and do you. Ed and the people I know through Ed, Underlie, etc. They've all been very inspirational to me in my creative life. We also did some real cool stuff together over those years and everyone went off and carried on to do great things. I'll always big up Tom Doobie for all that amazing work he went off and did in Camden with music and the youth. Sam Free for building his amazing community-focused business. Moody for setting up his sound system and all the rest of you. And Ed, mate, you keep that up, brother. We're really proud. You know we're proud. I hope you all enjoyed that one. Here's to another 50 recordings. I'm gonna leave you with a throwback to 2006 and the Rare Kind song, written and produced by Ed and Tom, Underground Alliance. Remember, I love your city and love your culture. This is F24. Mentality revolutions coming, blood. Bring the anarchy. Art of the A to the heart of the E to the K to the I to the N to the D. On the light, extended family. Big up all my heads in the red kind gallery. Work hard and play hard. Blam up the train yards. 
for all the mans who blave an eight fast In the manor bussing bake cars Or manor bussing eight bars in Liverpool nature The days y'all I'm just chilling with that Spilling the zag, spilling the track Politicking how this industry's a kicking the nads On the sea keep kissing the can Upon the canvas the rain keeps pissing it down But that's standard from North London to Bite And none of these toys are impressing me Like the J to the U to the S to E Tags blessed Street while I bless the beat Cause this definitely feels like ecstasy Rose killing, Holcomb wins, Hefs and me Let's stick together cause we're much stronger collectively To make a greater future from a great past And do the best for little J-Star It's Shop done. I remember when I was young, I was running with Daz and Hot One, watching them painting masterpieces. Never dreaming that they'd shot one. If I'd have clocked on, I might not be dropping this song. But now we running with big players on the hip hop scene. With a graffiti A to Z, like the fucking dream team. All of the graph originates from Arrow to Zombie, Sketchpad, Odysseys, Unravel on Street. RKR work from head to feet, blood. Never the same ahead of the game, regardless of the beef. You might see me snore, but I ain't asleep. It's just cause I'm bored of a weak MC. Or blazed off the purple haze with hefs and azer, but the magic is made when they put pen to paper. If I ain't in the shop promoting tunes, then I'm out the back smoking a zoop with Rosa and Juice.
And there's a little throwback to 2006, the Rare Kind song by Underground Alliance, featuring Ed Scryan, Doobie and DJ Moody on the mix.